the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Everything we do at Shepherd is based around John 3.14 that teaches us to lift up the name of Jesus that the world might believe. We want to come alongside you in your journey with God and help you become stronger in your faith so you can better serve Jesus and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and you're really going to need your Bibles because I want you to see what's in this chapter. Grab your outlines. I want to speak to you on this subject from downtrodden to uplifted. And I'm speaking on a text today that I have never taught on before. You say, how's that possible? Well, the Bible is a big book. There are many passages that I've never preached a sermon on. Now, I've read through this uh, book, the chapter, but I've never actually studied it to preach. And so it's interesting to note, we're looking at a passage that's known as Mary's Song. Everybody say Mary's Song. We're going to look at the song that Mary sang. Now, as you study through the Bible, there are many passages in the Bible where people sing a song. Back in Exodus chapter 15, after Moses and Miriam crossed over the Red Sea, they sung a song. In Judges chapter 5, Deborah and Barak, after Israel is saved from Sisera, they sing a song. David in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 when they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, they sing a song. There's a story about a girl named Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. After the Lord allowed her to conceive a child, Hannah breaks out and sings a song. So in our text today, right in the middle of the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1, you might find this interesting. There's not one song. There are actually two songs that are sung. The first song is sung by young Mary. Later in the same chapter, there's a song sung by Zechariah. And today, we're not going to look at Zechariah. We're going to look at Mary's song. Historically, it has been called the Magnificat. Magnificat, which is one of the most often sung ancient hymns over the last 2,000 years, the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Anglican Church have all used Mary's song in their worship services. The song, or the gist of the song, if you study it, is a song about lifting up those who feel downtrodden. 
It speaks, as we looked at two weeks ago, to a period of time, historically, where the Jews felt forsaken. The corrupt Roman government is in control at the time. God has been silent for 400 years. The temple is basically a flea market instead of a worship center. God's presence was lacking. Religion had become a ritual. And it was in this atmosphere that God does the impossible. He chooses a simple teenager from an insignificant town called Nazareth, which its population at that time at best was about a thousand people in an unclean portion of the Holy Land called Galilee. And whatever makes this even more difficult is at this time, to a degree that many of us are not aware of, it was a man's world back in those days. So if anyone was going to bring a message of hope, the very last person that you would ever pick would be an impoverished Jewish teenage girl from unclean Galilee. But that's exactly who God chose. And when he chose Mary, in a sense, he's lifting up those who are downtrodden. He sees us in our fear and our sadness. And when he sends this gift, his son, called Jesus, into our world, he's offering up hope to the hopeless. He's giving strength to the weak. He's giving encouragement to those who are brokenhearted. And all God's people said, amen. I want to reset. Everybody say the word reset. I want to reset the scene in order for you to see the background or the context of this song being sung. You have a simple, humble teenage girl engaged to a young man named Joseph. They are planning their wedding and Mary shows up pregnant. She's never slept with a man before. An angel back in Luke chapter 1, this same chapter in verse 26, shows up and tries to explain everything to Mary. The angel says, God's favor is upon you. Mary is frightened. The angel says, fear not. You have a child growing in your womb. And that child is the Savior of the entire world. Mary, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, says, how can this be, since I am a virgin. The next verse, the angel says, well, I can answer that. The way this can be is because God's Holy Spirit has overshadowed you, and your child is actually the son of the living God. The angel can sense the disbelief in Mary and tells Mary, don't doubt God. The angel says in verse 37, all things are possible with God. And then the angel says, there's one more little bit, tidbit of information. Even, and this just kind of comes out of left field, even your cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. The angel says that, and Mary's, what's Elizabeth got to do with any of this? Mary, although young and although scared, although a virgin with child, She had to have a thousand questions going through her mind. And yet she says in Luke 1 verse 38, 
I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel did something. Usually we just skip right over it. After Mary says, as you say, the Bible says that the angel did what? The angel, the angel left her. So Mary goes from this supernatural encounter and discussion with an angelic being to dead silence. And she has to be thinking, now what am I going to do? I'm pregnant, I'm a virgin, I'm engaged, Joseph's not going to believe me, my family's not going to believe me, no one's going to believe me. What am I going to do? And then Mary says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go see my cousin Elizabeth. Because maybe Elizabeth can help me figure all this out. The angel did mention her name. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 39, look what the Bible says that, that Mary did right after this encounter. She, she went on a road trip. And she went up into what's called the hill country of Judea, where Elizabeth lived. And, the, and, and as she makes that journey, if, if you really read the story, she finally gets to Elizabeth's house. As she walks through the front door, Mary says hello. And before Mary can get the word hello out of her mouth, Elizabeth, her cousin, confirms everything the angel had said to Mary because the first words, Luke 1 verse 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. First words out of her mouth to Mary. This is like a woman's intuition coupled with the divine anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And Mary now knows, and it's all true, what the angel had told her. And so then Mary burst out in song. That's how we get to this song. There's three things about this song. Number one, write this down. In spite of all of Mary's problems and in spite of all the problems going on around the entire world, Mary recognizes how blessed she was and she recognizes where those blessings come from. Amen? All this stuff going on, yet she knows how blessed she is and where those blessings come from. I want to read the first few verses of this song. The Bible says in Luke 1, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Verse 48, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now I want you to note this, write this down. The first thing that she does, she chooses to magnify the Lord. She says, my soul. What is that? That, that is everything in her. That's, that's, that's everything in her chooses to glorify. That word means magnify. Everything within her, her soul glorifies the Lord. That's true worship. Worship is something that just bursts out of you. Worship is, is, for many of us, here's what we think worship is. Worship is when you come to church about three or four or five minutes late, 
And someone says, everybody stand up. So everybody stands up. Sing verse 1, sing verse 2, sing verse 3. Everybody sit down. We do communion. We're going to do an offering online. Everybody stand back up. we got one more song. Sing verse 1, sing verse 2, sing verse 3. Everybody sit down. We call that worship. But that's not worship. Worship is when inside of you, you have so much love and praise and adoration and gratitude for God and all the things that He's done for you. It just comes out of you. It overflows out of you. Worship is when you recognize how blessed you are and where those blessings come from. Even if you feel like I just got a few little things to be happy about or be be blessed about. I mean, if your blessings, if you've only got a few blessings... Your heart should be so full of joy, so full of song, so full of gratitude that you literally burst into praise. You burst into glorifying God. You can't help but magnify God. One of our greatest weaknesses and failures as Christians is that there can be 10 things in our life that are all all amazing. And one thing goes wrong. And we forget about the nine things that make us the most blessed and favored people on the face of this planet. And all we do is we look at the one thing that's wrong and complain and complain and complain and complain. The Bible says in Psalm 150 verse 6, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let everything that have breath. In other words, if you're breathing, how many of you are breathing right now? I'm not a doctor. I don't work in the ER department, but I will tell you this. If you're breathing, it means that you're still alive. And what Psalm 150 verse 6 says, if you're alive, if you're breathing, if you've got a a breath in you, you ought to be using that breath to magnify and glorify the Lord God above. So she chooses to magnify God. Now watch the second thing that she does. This is very important for us. She moves all personal glory to the Lord God. Mary takes any praise that is thrown her way. And throws it towards God. She said these words. It's very interesting that she knew this. She said, from now on, now think about it. She's just a little humble teenage girl, and some angel appears and says, You're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I know you've never been with a man, but you're going to have a child, and that child is the Savior of the world. And Mary's thinking, If, if that's true, They're going to be talking about me for many, many generations, if that's true. So she says in this song, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's true. But then she takes all that praise and all that glory and she gives it over to God. For she says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She deflects all that praise over to God. And that one thought, that truth, is needed today. 
If there is anything good, anything good in your life, if there is anything good in your finances, if there's anything good in your health, if there's anything good in your family, and somebody says, you know, you're good at this, or you've got this, good for you, you should deflect all that praise to God because anything good in your life came from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Mary, in her song of praise, is acknowledging anything good in her life comes from the mighty one she chooses in the midst of this surprise, in the midst of her not fully understanding, and in the midst of her poverty, and in the midst of being a simple, unwed, pregnant girl where no one's going to believe her story, and no one's going to trust her anymore, and in all likelihood, she's going to be downtrodden in her culture, she chooses to acknowledge that any blessing in her life comes from God. And of course, the point of application for each of us is irregardless of how the world treats you or how the world tries to silence you or how the world tries to marginalize you, we still have much to be thankful about. There are still many reasons for us to praise God today. There are many reasons for us to worship Him. Stop dwelling on your problems and start declaring your praise. Point number two, and this is, oh, I hope you get point two. Mary recalls how merciful God is to those who are humble, to those who revere Him. She says in verse 50, His mercy, God's mercy, extends to those who fear Him. And that phrase, fear Him, does not mean that you're scared of God. You're not supposed to be frightened of God as a believer, but you are supposed to revere Him, which means to respect Him, to, to honor Him. That's what that word fear Him, it means to revere Him. She says His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation to generation. And what she's saying there was even in her generation, it didn't matter who you were or where you were, as long as you humbly revered God, that God was going to bless you and show mercy to you. And that's not only true in her generation, that's true in our generation. That if today on this planet called earth, in the midst of all the craziness, if you will live your life in reverence to God, that God will extend his mercy to you as he did to her. And notice verse 51 in this song. He has performed mighty deeds. Well, of course, he's a mighty God. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Now he has, watch this, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but God uplifts those who are humble. Two things there. One, God is all-powerful and all-seeing. Who's telling you this? A little teenage girl who's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Some angel just showed up and told her this, and she's scared out of her mind. But this little girl knows that God sees all, that He knows all. God can do it all. 
And that God is more powerful than any king, that God is more powerful than any ruler, God is more powerful than any nation. And what is the context? Everybody say the word context. What is the context of all this? At this time, Rome is a superpower. Rome is conquering the world. It is the greatest power the world had ever seen. It is the greatest army the world has ever seen. It is the greatest city the world has ever seen. And on the other hand, you got this little teenage girl living in obscurity in an unclean part of a tiny nation. She's got no money. She's got no army. She's in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows who she is. Yet this little girl has enough sense to know that even though she is nothing in the eyes of Rome, that she is nothing in the eyes of the world, that the God she serves is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-seeing, and that if God sees all and knows all, that God can see her, that God knows her, that God cares about her. And what she is saying is that she is in, actually in a better place than the most powerful people and the most powerful nation because God in due season will lift her up and be with her if she continues to walk humbly before the Lord. I wish we fully understood that the way that we walk and the way that we live and the way that we talk and the way that we serve and the way that we exercise our faith and the way that we humbly live in reverence before an almighty God has more blessing and more favor and more power than all of the world's armies put together. And if that is true, and it is true, Mary knows in her mind and in her heart, write this down, that God is greater than any fear that she might be experiencing at that moment. And I don't know if there's anyone here that needs to be reminded of that truth today. That God is greater than any fear that you might be experiencing here today. I have in no way, in no way have I downplayed the seriousness of this pandemic. The pandemic is real and the pandemic is here. I have in no way ever sugarcoated the degree of evil that exists in our country, the United States of America. I have never ignored the lack of racial justice in our nation. I, I have never uh, been blind to the division in our country or the lack of accountability to our elected officials. The, the politics and the big tech companies and the culture and the sin that is leading our nation down the tubes. We have the threat of some being some $27 trillion in debt now as a nation. We have rogue nations that are acquiring nuclear bombs as we sit here today. We have a number of businesses that have been forced to close and who will never recover after this pandemic. We have our religious freedoms that are being taken from us this very moment. We have the complacency of so many in regards to protecting the life of the unborn. And I could go on and on and on about the giants we face in this country that seem insurmountable. But what Mary's song reminds me is that if God will bless a humble teenage girl who feels downtrodden in a tiny town 2,000 years ago, 
that my greatest calling, my greatest obligation is to simply remain humble before God. In these uncertain times, we know as Christians there's great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. We have phone counselors standing by and ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through the first time you call, please be sure to try again. Our number again is 888-818-4777. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These Scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.